Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosso. It gives me great pleasure now to welcome to Viewpoints, Alistair Girling, who's a committeeman with uh, Humanists Victoria. And uh, we'll be taking a look at uh, human behaviour through the prism of humanism. Welcome to Viewpoints, Alistair Girling. Thanks very much for having me. My pleasure, Alistair. Um, a little bit about yourself uh, and how you became involved with humanism in the first place. <laughs> um, excellent question. So, uh, yeah, my name is Alistair, and I've been involved with humanism, it seems, my whole life. Uh, and most people find their way to religion because their parents are religious, and they sort of drift in it like that. And so they sort of adopt what their parents believe. But with humanism, it's kind of a belief system where you don't uh, have to adopt exactly what your parents think or what other people think. Um, but curiously, my grandfather uh, was one of the big people in, in humanism and rationalism in Victoria, um, oh, I don't know, 35 years ago. Mm. And so um, in a sort of weird way, I've sort of um, developed this hereditary interest in humanism and sort of, uh, I suppose, moral philosophy. And so here I am, many years later, kind of following in my grandfather's footsteps. I didn't really intend. Um, but that's, yeah, that's how I stumbled across it, I suppose. I, I first came across the idea and then I got interested in it after that. It's an interesting path you've taken, Alistair, and at some juncture in our lives we, we do come across uh, a whole range of approaches to how we make sense of life. Uh, religion mm. uh, is one of them, humanism is another. C can you, can you uh, remember a time where you were confronted with uh, competing uh, perspectives of which you could adopt and why you chose humanism, given obviously that your grandfather was uh, uh, an influential person in your life? <laughs> yeah, um, I can. And I think for lots of people, it's the same thing. Is um, When we're adults, there isn't much time to sort of dawdle on the big questions of life. We've got to get on with actually living. And so the time you really spend sort of idly thinking about what your place in the universe is, is when you're at school. And so that's what I did too. And both my schools, I was growing up were um, religious ones, or, or they were sort of, you know, in England, there's the Church mm. of England, which is sort of, you know, um, comforted in state with its cupcakes kind of thing. But it's still some sort of religious viewpoint. And I just remember thinking to myself, well, this is all lovely, and, you know, I like singing and so on, but I really don't believe any of it. It doesn't really make any sense. And, and there must be something else. There must be something slightly more satisfying than this, just because it, it didn't feel to really, it didn't really speak to who I was or how I thought about the world. Mm. Um, and then as time went on, uh, I realized that my thinking, which had sort of developed organically, was actually really aligned with what humanism is all about. So I suppose I sort of came to it um, both head on, because I knew what it was, um, from my grandfather and then from the side, uh, because I just came across it myself. But really the answer is um, when I was at school. I just mm. So, so for those out there who still want to know what it is, um, what is humanism? Ah, this is the big question. Um, in that humanism is, uh, it's, a, it's a really complicated set of ideas, um, but it has a few basic premises that are really easy to get your head around. And it really exists, I think, in two layers. And the first one is that it's secular, and that it's sort of, it's a rejection of re religious doctrine and the idea that any one religion or any sort of belief system can have complete moral authority over someone's life. Um, it says, you know, that's not really true. And also, um, it's atheist, so it thinks that um, not only you know, do religions not hold all the truth, but just God doesn't exist. But I think that's where atheism ends um, and humanism um, starts to come into its own, which, where, which is where we hit the second layer, which is that um, it says, let's focus on positive things and let's focus on sort of positive beliefs, not just negative ones. 
you know, I think lots of humanists um, would say they're, you know, atheist in the same way they're atheist, as Richard Dawkins is so, um, so fond of saying. It's just that, you know, there's no evidence to suggest it's true, and we can move on from there. But then we hit this other layer, which is um, a much more moral layer, you know, is it's, it's now we've decided God doesn't exist. What should we do with ourselves? And how should we act? And what makes a moral person? And what makes, more importantly, me moral? And that is trying to find, you know, at its very core, the meaning of life. And I think humanism is a quest for that. And the answer it finds is that there is no one meaning of life. There are just meanings of life. And, you know, personal meaning comes internally from you. And you can decide it. And you can choose how you live your life. Um, and you can decide what's moral. And you should be moral. Uh, so I suppose it's, it's a first, it says we are secular. Second, it says we are ethical. And third, it says we decide how we're ethical and we can be ethical in all these different ways. So, so would it be fair to, to, to say that uh, from a humanist perspective, you could argue that uh, religions do not have a monopoly of mora- on morality and ethics? Um, no, uh, I think it's unfair to say and, uh, that they do. Although it is important to note that you know people have you know enormous power that they draw from their sacrament and their faith. Um, but that doesn't mean that faith is the only way to understand the world or to understand being kind or moral. You can decide that you should be moral just because um, you want to, or because there's this whole structure of moral philosophy that tells you that you should. Um, I'm really fond of Immanuel Kant and his. Uh, sort of, you know, big thesis, or at least one of his, was that you should care about the intentionality of your actions. You should be moral. Oh, uh, uh, the, moral uh, the morality of an act is decided by your intention behind it, whether or not you try to be kind, whether or not you want it to be good. And I suppose maybe that's more important than just acting morally because um, you believe that there'll be retribution if you don't. And that doesn't mean that the acts aren't kind, but it does mean that there are other reasons for being kind aside from just um, you feeling that you've been told that you must. Yeah. Now, now it uh, humanism humanism claims to be rational. What do they mean by that? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, rationalism is this idea that the primary um, sort of underlying architecture for understanding our world comes from reason and rational thought, and often science, and it's a kind of belief in the enlightenment and new information being discovered and changing our old ways of thinking. And hopefully that's happening again and again and again. So all rational means in this instance is um, looking for reason and logic as a way to explain our world. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's a good point. Now, humanism is a response to the widespread demand, uh, it's argued, for an alternative to dogmatic religion. What's the difference between dogmatic religion and religion? Uh, that, that, that sort of puzzles me. Um, yes. So I suppose um, there are... It's unfortunate, isn't it? Because uh, if you really believe that there is only one path of salvation to eternal joy and happiness, it makes sense that you try and proselytize. In fact, it would probably be immoral not to try, because if you really think you've got the only way out... <laughs> of eternal damnation. You better try and tell people about it, otherwise, you know, it's not very nice of you. So I understand that bit, but I think that um, the problem with religious dogma is that it says there is one path to morality and, and justice, 
and you must follow our specific set of doctrine in this very specific way. But more than anything, I think it, um, it directs outwards. It directs a critique to others rather than just looking internally as to how you should act. So I think that's the distinction between, say, a sort of religious denomination like the Quakers, who try and act internally and act uh, you know, kindly and morally with their own set of beliefs, to another uh, sort of other religious organizations that say, you know, you must follow us, you must uh, be moral through our lens and through no other. So I think it's uh, really a question of being external or internal in the way that you uh, talk about your faith. Mm. So, so would it be possible to be both a humanist and follow a religion? Uh, as a th- do you believe? Um, there are some people who uh, who still want to spend time on sort of community and sacrament, and they find themselves going to sort of religious meetings as well as humanist ones. And ultimately, humanism isn't really in a position, or rather, humanist organisations aren't in a position to reject anyone if they claim that they are a humanist. Uh, because, you know, that's how we work. We just sort of accept, we're really open tent, and so we accept anyone who really, you know, sincerely says that they are. But part of human teaching and belief, I suppose there isn't really too much teaching, it's just discussion more than anything else, uh, is that, you know, we are secular, and that is we don't believe God exists anymore. So if you can work out a way to be religious and also believe that God doesn't exist, um, or that there's no evidence that God exists, um, then... Um, have a go, but I think that's quite difficult, is the truth. And it's it's been an eternal challenge for people since uh, time began. Will you take a short break, uh, Alistair? Can you hold the line? Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossick. I'm in a discussion with Alistair Girling, who's a committeeman with the Humanists Victoria. Welcome back, uh, Alistair. Thanks very much. Alistair, one of the things in our discussion before we went on air was um, where can the lines of uh, thought and inquiry and reflection go? What are the limitations uh, from a humanist perspective? And you said there's no no no-go areas. You'd like to elaborate on that? Yeah, I think it's this idea that humanism is is a fundamental way of thinking that allows you to explore any area you wish to um, go into. And so if you really care about a certain sort of subset of the world or of life, you care about your family or environmentalism or um, or all manner of other sort of social problems or successes, I suppose, um, humanism can sort of help you do that and doesn't have to get in the way. Uh, it can let you sort of fulfill, uh, I suppose, your own ambition and your own desires in life um, without forcing you to do anything that you don't want to do. And so there's really no direction that it doesn't, um, that it's not, I suppose, not happy to take when it goes anywhere. It's a, it's an interesting one because when I raise the and, and I've seen this many times when you talk about uh, humanism uh, or the humanistic approach to thinking, it's mm. it's amazing how on the one hand it's about thinking about anything and everything within a, mm. within the humanist framework, yet it's a polarizing term to raise in a lot of forums. Uh, it's a bit uh, contradictory in that sense, isn't it? Um. Unfortunately, it is, I think, and that's because the existence of a really open, uh, you know, really transparent way of thinking uh, that, yes, stands in opposition to other ways of thinking is often not encouraged in certain environments, is often sort of um, not wished uh, to be there, which is a shame because I think the big appeal of humanism is to have really, you know, truly satisfying answers to really big questions. You know, why are we here? What happens after we die? Um, What's the point of it all? And should I act morally in life? Mm. Um, it's 
got good answers. It says, you know, um, we're here because of all these confusing, wonderful, peculiar pieces of luck. And what happens after we die is unfortunately nothing, which means there's all the more reason to act kindly and morally and, and productively while you're alive. Um, they're good answers, um, and they don't require you to stretch your mind too much to go along with them. So it's a shame that sometimes people aren't open to those ideas, but I think the goal of um, humanism in Australia and, of course, all over the world is to try and get people to, um, if not agree, at least sort of accept that there's a way of thinking which is humanism, and, and that's, that's sort of okay. Mm, now, humanism, the origins of humanism are fascinating because they, they take us all the way back, Alistair, to the ancient Greeks, and then, of course, yeah. the Renaissance period in Europe saw a resurgence of humanist values mm. and thinking. We were chatting earlier, and one of your roles in Humanist Victoria is obviously membership, and you were commenting on how um, young people aren't... Uh, it's, it's not as popular with young people as uh, as it is with older people. Uh what do you put that down to? That's interesting. Yeah, um, it's a really unfortunate one. Uh, I think I'm the youngest uh, member of the committee uh, by a couple of decades. So I, <laughs> um, I, I really, uh, I, I suppose, of the people who are there, um, they're the best kind of people to spend your time with, no matter what age they are. But uh, I suppose the first thing is, I don't think that the ideas of humanism aren't popular with young people. I think the sort of the core underlying thoughts behind it are really popular. In fact, they're more popular than they've ever been. It's just that young people aren't sort of fast to latch on to uh, sort of ideas or identity. Um, I think there's lots of echo chambers going on at the moment. So people sort of, they talk to their friends about a certain thing and they all agree. And there's another group of friends and they all disagree. And they all sort of chat to each other about how no one else could possibly think anything other than what they think. And so off they go. And that, that's a great shame. And I think young people also are kind of distancing themselves from organisations and they're trying to keep themselves separate or at least they're sort of very um, trepidatious about going closer. Um, so that's a shame. Uh, and then I suppose the final two big issues is one, um, increasingly, because there's this sort of sense of dread and identity crisis um, uh, at the moment, I think, for a lot of young people about their future and about sort of where the whole society is headed. They identify in opposition to things. You know, I don't like this government. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like this. I don't like that. Rather than positive beliefs and things that they do support and things that they do care about. I think that's a great shame. Mm. But the biggest problem of all, of course, is awareness. I think a lot of people know what humanism is. And therefore, um, it's really difficult to agree or support or endorse or join an organization if you have no clue um, what's going on. Yeah, we're at an interesting point you raise there. And... uh uh, the statistics show that um, there's an incredibly low approval rating uh, and, and trust in many of the, our institutions, which, of course, are peopled by people and run by people. So it's not the institution, it's the people. But um, when we look at government, when we look at uh, our financial institutions, uh, when we look at uh, the church, uh, people people's trust in these has dropped away markedly in recent years where do we go to next ah uh, well this is the big question if i give you a really good answer then i think we have all our problems <laughs> solved. but um a direction uh, at yeah. least alistair yeah i think um it's one of these tricky things where you know i'm you know really i suppose an optimist and i think that people are generally good and kind and, and wish to be moral in the world um, and that there are all these reasons why people might start acting badly, but that doesn't mean that you know they started off wanting to, and maybe the decisions are outside of their control. But I think more than anything, people's fear and frustration with 
the world at large. It's to do with systems, sort of massive engines of bureaucracy or power, slowly chugging away in the wrong direction, and not really to do with any one person. Or you know, it's so easy to blame uh, sort of a few people, and people really like the idea of the hero and the villain. But often it's not just one person, um, and it's not really even a group of people. It's a whole system uh, that is is sort of drifting along, and no one can help. Um, and no one can try and stop it unless, you know, the system is dismantled and reconfigured and pushed in a different direction. So I think more than anything else, it's accepting that pe- it's not people who are angry with people. It's people who think they're angry with people but are actually angry with systems. Um, and then the challenge is changing those systems uh, rather than just sort of getting angry at individuals. That doesn't get you anywhere. No, absolutely. Time's on the wing, um, Alistair. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's great uh, food for brain, the, the chance to reflect and think and talk about thinking and how we think and how we talk. And uh, mm. I can see there's topics uh, for a future discussion. Uh, artificial <laughs> intelligence and robots is one that uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to in the future chat with you about uh, from the humanist perspective because uh, that's a new frontier too, isn't it? Yeah, um, and it's a, it's a problem that uh, really strikes at the heart of how we act now, is if we you know, apply the morals that we all apply to ourselves today, um, that doesn't necessarily bode well to us in the distant future. Um, it starts looking pretty grim, so we've got to maybe think about uh, how we think about uh, sentience and kindness now, so we can really look to being better in the future. Absolutely. Uh, that was... Uh Alistair Gerling, committeeman on the Victorian Humanists Organisation. Great to to, to reflect deeply about how we think. Uh, It's something that too many times in our busy lives we just go chugging along, uh, doing things as they were. We'll take a short break, listeners. Don't go away. 